Uh, we started a, a series of messages about our emotions, and this is how I feel was the title of it. And we used the emoticons like this um, to show the different expressions. And we went from worry to temptation to anger to bitterness to resentment to discouragement. And last week we looked at being greedy. And today we come to the last one, which is contentment. And that's what we all ought to strive for, is to find ourselves living with contentment and being content in this culture where we live. Now, I looked up uh, the definition of contentment and found this meaning, the state of being content. And that tells us a lot, doesn't it? So I looked at some other resources, and it said that contentment is satisfaction or satisfied or ease of mind. And so then I looked up discontentment. And that means a restless desire or a craving for something one does not have. And I think discontentment describes the culture in which we live today. Discontentment reigns in our culture because we are driven. We move at such a fast pace of life and we never seem to be satisfied. Not too long ago on NPR there was an article uh, that called us the impatient nation. And they said that we want quick answers to complex problems and described us this way. And I think uh, did a great job. So we speed date, eat fast food, use the self-checkout lines in grocery stores. We try the one-weekend diet. We pay extra for overnight shipping. We honk when the lights turn green. Do you do that? Car in front of you doesn't move. What do you do? I don't honk. I just yell, it's green. The other day, right down here, two nights and, and um, polo. The car sat there in front of me. The light, the, it was green. I said, it only stays green so long. You know, and I, I, I refrained from blowing the horn, and I'm glad I didn't because when I finally got to go and I passed him and I glared at him, I saw he was bigger than I am. <laughs> well, we speak in half sentences. We tweet stories in 140 characters or less. We cut corners, take shortcuts. We text. We clamor for safety and then... And then we complain when the security takes too long or it's inconvenient. We can't take the time to drive to the video store or wait for a DVD to arrive, so we order them on demand or stream them on the web. Does that sound familiar? You find yourself there? Walter Kerr in his book entitled The Decline of Pleasure. And I think that kind of goes along with contentment. Contentment is you're enjoying your life. That means you find life to be a pleasant experience. He says that... that in, in the decline of pleasure, that this is why, how he comes down to finally describe us. He says, we are all of us compelled to read for profit, party for contract tax, lunch for contracts, bow for unity, drive for mileage, gamble for charity, go out for the evening for the greater glory of municipality, and stay home on the weekend to rebuild the home. The only problem with that in our culture around here and what seems to permeate the life of our church is you don't stay home on weekends. And certainly not to build the home, not in terms of literally bricks and mortar, but I think building the family unit. You know, there are football games to attend, band competitions keep you out till all hours of the night. And of course there is travel ball. I think that is the tool of the devil that's going to destroy family life and church life. You got travel baseball, travel softball, travel soccer, travel gymnastics. If you don't have your child signed up for enough things, let me give you another one. I'm helping you out here. 
I noticed the sign at Ryan's this week said, travel basketball. Sign up to play on the Vipers, travel basketball, third through eighth grade. Now, before you go running down to Ryan's to see where you call to sign up, let me give you the number. I even took it down for you. 463-5529. There you go. And you can get your child involved in something else that involves travel and taking you away. So, how do we respond? How do we react in this, in this culture in which we live today? How can we slow down and enjoy life and learn to be content? What is the attitude that we as believers should have about contentment? Well, we've been blessed all through this series to hear from our shallow Christians some deep thoughts. Let's hear what he has to say today about contentment. Contentment is something that all people struggle with in this life. But as Christians, we know that God loves us and pours out His blessings on us and wants us to be content. So we should really try to relax and get so content that we don't even look forward to the return of Jesus or our own entrance into heaven, because that will mess up the sweet setup we have on earth. You see, God wants us to be content and enjoy this earth as the paradise it was meant to be. So we should all get a nice house, a soft couch, and a huge entertainment system, and just hang out at home and try to fit in all the contentment we can before we get dragged off to heaven where they may or may not have giant TVs and microwavable burritos. <laughs> These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. I think he nails us a lot in all of these series. I'm, I'm going to miss this guy. Maybe we'll find him for the next series that we do on generosity. Well, let's hear it from another side. Let's hear it the Apostle Paul in Philippians, the uh, fourth chapter beginning in verse 10. That I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Mm -hmm. Listen to that. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, I think we need to pay attention to what Paul has to say. When he writes this, he's in a, in a prison cell. He, he used to be free, but now he's in prison. He used to have some, some wealth and influence, but now he's broke, he's poor. Uh, he, he used to have position. And now he finds himself in prison. But here he talks about knowing what it means to be content. Now, there are just simply two things I want us to focus on today. Two major points for us to consider. The first is the enemies of contentment and then the principles of contentment. I'm going to quickly mention four enemies of contentment. Number one is unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. We live in a culture today where we demand instant gratification. We want everything, and we want it now. Another generation before us that lived through the Depression, uh, they knew what it was to have delayed gratification. We, on the other hand, want instant gratification. We want it all. We want it now. And that happens not just in material things, but it happens also in family life, church life, school, anything. You find a perfect job, you go the first day, you find it's not perfect. 
You get married, you find out immediately your spouse is not perfect. You become a Christian, you become a believer, and immediately you discover that the other people you associate with aren't perfect and neither are you. You join a church and you find the church is not perfect and you're disappointed. So you want it all at home, at school, church, life in general. Second enemy is unfair comparisons. You need to mark this down. If you go through life always comparing yourself and what you have and what you don't have to somebody else, you're always going to find somebody better off than you are, prettier than you are, smarter than you are, and richer than you are. And all you're going to do is you're going to end up, uh, you're going to end up envying what other people have. You're going to envy what other people have. And envy is no fun like all the other sins. It's just something that eats you up and leads to depression and other kinds of things that distort your lifestyle and your view of life. Then the third enemy is unnoticed blessings. You and I live in the most affluent nation in the world. We have more things than people in any other nation around the world. We have more money per capita than any other nation around the world. I mean, God has blessed us abundantly. And yet we still are not satisfied. We're discontented. And and the suicide rate is increasing at an alarming rate. The problem is, is we aren't grateful and thankful for the blessings that we have. We take so much for granted that we miss the blessings God has given to us. I think about what Paul would write to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6, 8, he said, If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know, today we have a whole lot more than food and clothing, and we're not content, are we? Then the fourth enemy is uncontrolled ambition. Now, the Bible does not condemn ambition. It encourages us to be all we can be for the glory of God. But when ambition is uncontrolled, it simply fuels our ego, and that's not good. James wrote in his very tactful letter and said, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You see what happens when we're discontent and we fall to these, these enemies of our discontentment? We end up with envy and selfish ambition, and there you find disorder and every evil practice. This is what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13:5. The writer says, "Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content." There's that word, be content with what you have. The Bible never says be content with who you are. It says be content with what you have. We should always strive to be the best person, the best Christian we can be. And do it all to the glory of God. But we need to be content with what we have. I think it's an interesting way. If you look at that word another way and pronounce it another way, cannot content be translated or said content? Is it the same word? Just pronounced differently? So are you content? Or are you clamoring after more content for your life? All right, now, let's go look at the principles of contentment. And we use Paul as an example, okay? First of all, contentment comes from a choice, 
rather than circumstances. Well, when we look at the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the Philippian believers, I think one of the uh, groups of people that he perhaps had one of the strongest bonds of love with, Paul simply says, I have learned to be content. If you know anything about Paul's life at this moment, you know that there were the circumstances in his life from the time that he was converted to follow Christ that were less than pleasing. His circumstances had him being shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and persecuted and all kinds of things that he describes in an autobiographical account in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 28. Paul didn't have too many pleasant experiences, but yet he said, I've learned to be content. And the reason for it is his contentment did not come from his circumstances, but from his choice. I found a quote by John Piper this week in some of his writings where he said, Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. That's true, isn't it? Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. If you want to be content in life, you've got to be reminded of the fact that it certainly does not come from our circumstances, but it is a choice that we make. Paul said, I have learned to be content. Now, here's the second principle here. Contentment comes from spiritual resources rather than material resources. Let me share with you two proverbs. Number one says, contentment makes much of little and greed makes little of much. Contentment makes much of little, and greed makes little of much. You see, material prosperity by itself never satisfies us. It never does. Contentment comes from our spiritual resources, the blessings of God in our life, the presence of God in our life. You, know, you, you look at the Apostle Paul. He gave up everything that the world would depend upon for contentment. Power, position, prestige. And he gave it all up to be a follower of Christ and to have a relationship with Christ. But in his life, no matter what the circumstances, he was able to say, I have learned to be content. See, Paul described, as he wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, he described the life of some of these early believers. He said to them in certain words, he says, Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet we're not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. See, every one of us as a believer in Christ ought to be able to give that same testimony. Whether we have much or not, whether we have little or less than little, we still possess everything in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then here's the third principle. Contentment comes from Christ rather than self. Paul used the word here for content that's used only in the New Testament here, right here in this place. The reference from it comes from the Stoic philosophy of life that means self-sufficient. Paul turned it out to mean not self-sufficient, but divinely sufficient. And the reason for that was that Paul's primary relationship in life was with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
when we read these verses of Scripture that we've looked at here, we see that Paul would even say in verse 13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And Paul talks about everything he gave up to follow Christ and in that fine contentment when he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Now that's a man who knew how to prioritize life. And Paul makes it abundantly clear that his contentment was found in his relationship with Jesus Christ. He wrote about being in Christ. He wrote to the Philippians and he talked to them about to live as Christ and to die as gain. He wrote to the Galatians and he said, I no longer live, but God lives in me. You see, that was the secret of his contentment. Now, why? And why would I challenge you to find your contentment in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? How can I say that contentment begins at the cross of Jesus Christ? Now, what does Jesus have to do with finding satisfaction in a materialistic world where we find contentment? Well, it works like this. When we're in a relationship with God through faith in Christ, then Christ gives us the power to cope with life. See, that doesn't mean that life's going to be rosy and every day is going to be great. And every project at school and every project at work and every, and every session with family time is going to be wonderful and great and awe-inspiring. But you're going to have through Christ the power to cope with life, with all circumstances. And the second thing is, Christ gives the power to accept life. That's what Paul displayed. He surely wouldn't have wanted all these things to come upon him. That's not what he sought out for when he began to follow after Christ. All these crises, one after the other, and stoning, and shipwreck, and being beaten, and left for dead, and persecuted. But Christ gave him the power that let him accept these things. And that's why contentment begins at the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we enter into that relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that's when we find satisfaction in life. That's when we begin to experience contentment. That's when we are able to say, I I know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that means I can live humbly or I can live in prosperity. I can live with the ups and downs of life or I can live uh, with everything going fine. I experience all of this in a relationship with Christ. That's what Paul is saying. I have learned the secret of being content. And he found it in his relationship with Jesus Christ. See, if you're struggling today with being content in this world with everything that you have, you know, if if you are identifying with being a part of this impatient nation, if you've lost simply the pleasure of life to the point that you're so discontented, number one, check your relationship and see, are you in a relationship with God? Are you in a relationship with Christ? See, are, are are you... Finding in Him the absolute meaning of life that supersedes any other circumstance and any other relationship. And if you don't have that relationship, then you need to find a relationship with Christ. And in in finding that, 
entering into that relationship, you find that contentment at the cross. It's in Jesus. If you're a believer today and yet you're struggling and you don't think that you know contentment in your life, you're struggling with all these issues and you want to, you want to, you want to be content in a discontented world, then you need to check that relationship as well. You say, am I really valuing what Christ gives to me? Am I claiming the power that he has for me to cope with life and to accept all things and to deal with them so that I too can learn how to be content? That's our hope as we end this message on all these eight emotions we've dealt with. That we'll come to the point where we can be content. We'll learn contentment. We will learn to do it in relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you've given to us the words of the Apostle Paul through whom we can follow his example and learn to be content. And I pray that uh, as we embrace our relationship with Christ, or maybe someone here today will embrace Christ. Uh, as Savior for the first time and value that relationship uh, that we will find, they will find, each of us will find and leave here today uh, with the ability to know that we can find contentment as we make it a choice no matter what the circumstances are in our life and that we're able to do it because of your power that's at work within us so that we can cope with life and so that we can accept with all the things that come to us in life. And then we can live contented no matter what you bring into our life. And I pray, Father, that we will know that and live with that through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.